It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimos. One timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, here we go. The Oilers launching into a six-game homestand tomorrow. It starts with a biggie against the San Jose Sharks. So tight at the top of that Pacific Division. You got the Ducks and the Sharks with 50. The Oilers with 49. Calgary, Vancouver, Los Angeles all hanging around close by as well. The Oilers are going to play the Flames on the next two Saturday nights, so that'll be fun. A lot to talk about with the Oilers today, even though they didn't practice. We'll get to that news and your thoughts on it as well and I do want to tell you right off the top here you can phone in 780-496-0063 you can text 63630 certainly the Oilers just passed the halfway point of the season now so you may have topics pertaining to that and of course the names that we'll discuss the most today Gustafson, Maroon and Puglielarve big uh, big day for local race car driver Stefan Radzinski we told you about his mission on Friday, and it is mission accomplished. He did win that online poll to get involved in a, uh, a fantasy race camp, so he'll tell us how that came about. Uh, such an energetic young guy, so uh, yeah, it'll be good to have him on the program as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, we'll keep you updated on the NHL and, of course, the national championship game in college football as well, Alabama facing Clemson. Those are always fun to watch. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Well, my goodness, we got we got Jared on the line right off the top of the show. Jared, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, Jared. I- we got to give you uh, like a handle or a nickname or something. So I, because you're such a regular caller and you always make very thoughtful and, and mature points. So we need to give you like jumping something better, but like jumping Jared or you know you know what I mean. They used to call me Little Jared Seinfeld. <laughs> Jared Seinfeld. <laughs> Little Jared Seinfeld, the rooster in the in the fight. Oh, that's. <laughs> oh, where? Okay, I never was that. I don't know. Was that on the show? I've never heard yeah, that they before. Had, uh, they had cockfighting, and Jer- and Kramer had a rooster named Little Jerry Seinfeld in cockfighting, and he was training him and had him pecking away on a on a myth and everything. Yeah, they well, lost. We may call you Jared Seinfeld for just just for fun sometimes. But uh, anyway, hope you had a good weekend, man. What's on your mind? <laughs> uh, just about this Gustafson thing and. And with Peter Shirelli, I mean, he's made so many good moves, but I do think that, you know, he sends his Gustafson down, but I think they really have to get a decent backup, and, and Brassoir is not going to be the goalie, because what, Talbot's probably going to play 32 out of the next 40 games, and do you want to leave those eight games to chance? 
in terms of just we don't know what's going to happen. And everything is so tight that let's say Tava plays 32 and you have those eight. If you pick up somebody like a Halak and even have them for next year, I don't think that's that bad of an investment. But you look at like Vancouver, they're in it because of their goaltending. Schneider almost won the game in New Jersey. And to me, what pitching is to baseball, goaltending is to hockey. It's the most important position to me. Count Talbot's been the MVP of the Oilers. And without him, I don't think they would be in the playoff mix. So I think they do want to play Russian roulette with full chamber of bullets and who are we going to put in. And I just think that uh, this is something the Oilers have come so far this year. They can't jeopardize any games because the games are going to get tougher. And I mean, Talbot's been amazing, but it's, it's scary. Who, who are they going to put in? Well, and you Justin, no good and like you make a good point. I mean, I, I they they really can't play Gustafson anymore. I, I mean, I hate to say that even once a month because that like last night. I, I I hate to do this, man, but like last night's game should have been a three-two win. You know what I mean? It should have been. You should have got out of there with a three-two win. Now I, I don't know if they want to bring up Brassois. He has not been very good lately in Bakersfield. Maybe they bring him up short term. I, I I know Curtis McElhinney was waived by Columbus today, uh, who has decent numbers this season. I know Mark Spector though put out there that he does not expect the Oilers to put in a claim on McElhinney. And now Jared, it used to be the Oilers were so low in the standings if they made a waiver claim they were almost guaranteed to get the guy. Now, when you're 10th overall, you probably won't get the guy, right? Because somebody else might claim him. Halak is an interesting option, but I think you'd have to get the Islanders to take Fane or Pouliot or something, right? Something something back. But the goaltending, a guy can't underestimate it because that was like the Achilles heel, and it can win games for you, but it can lose games for you, and we lost last night. Well, in the Philly game, too, they maybe should have escaped with a point or two there, right? Yeah, but no, the goaltending, 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 and no team, uh, like you look at who Pittsburgh has and who Tampa Bay has and how Montreal did without Carey Price, and it's, it's the key to the game. It's a totally different team when Cam Talbot's not in front of that. That's, it's not that it, uh, there's like an overflow, like an indirect effect. Everybody plays tighter. They know they can't take as many chances because of who's in net, and they have a lot of confidence in Cam Talbot, and they're a very different team. So I think that they, like even Glenn Sather, he always had, Animo Grant, your Bill Ranford, Curtis Joseph, when he went to New York, Henrik, he always, and he had Cam Talbot as the backup to Henrik Lundqvist. You gotta have two guys. I don't think you can just have one and then just a mediocre guy because he's still gonna have to play 20 games. Yep. Having okay. said that, the magnitude of the problem is less than we've seen on this team in other years, at least. Yeah, but we're close to making the playoffs, so you might as well make a push for it, right? Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for calling, man. Have a good night. That is Jared, Jared Seinfeld, as he will now sometimes be known on the show. We also have Andy raring to go on the phone line. Hey, Andy, you're on with Reed. Hi, Reed. Yeah, I want to agree with you about uh, uh, Edmonton's lucky to have a number one goalie. It's been a long time since we've had an established number one. Gustafson, I see differently, though. I feel this kid's gotten a rough ride. He hasn't played enough. Uh, you know, when you're only getting a game a month, uh, it's going to take a couple games to get this guy into game shape. I think the Oilers uh, made a mistake not sending this guy down for a few games to get his, his game shape and his confidence. My thing is, is let this guy play a couple games. Let him play himself into shape or send him down. But don't don't sit there and say he's a bad goalie when he, he barely gets an opportunity to play. 
And by the way, Condon wasn't very good to start the game last night. True. And I thought both goalies did better as the game wore on. And I really thought Edmonton should have tied that game and possibly won it with the chances. Let's not hang this loss on Gustafson. Well, they didn't have a great first period. Uh, they had tons of chances in the third, obviously, and either just missed or or, or Condon made a save. But uh, I, I don't know, Andy. I, I, the thing is with Gustafson, he's kind of the same goalie he's been throughout his career. 908, 911, 907, 879, previous stops, save percentage-wise, 902, 890, 902. So, I mean, he's he's kind of... You know, most goalies are 915, 920. He's 900, 905, or even a little lower most of his career. So uh, I don't know. I I, I I appreciate that you're being positive because usually I'm more patient than a lot of the fans. But I, I kind of think this is who Gustafson is. Uh, that's who we're seeing. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe if he got to play twice in a week, maybe he'd look better. But I, I don't know if they feel like they want to give him that chance. The only other thing I'll say is... Uh... If you think James Reimer or Ben Scribbins could sit a month and then come out and play a great game every once a month, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Oilers need to trade for a goalie, but I do think they need to show their backup a little bit more respect. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, appreciate it, Andy. Thanks a lot. 780-496-0063. All right, it's 614. If you're on hold, stay there. we got to take a quick timeout. Talking uh, some Oilers goaltending. We'll talk about Maroon's big week as well and Pugliarvi going down as we move along. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio. With Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, so the game against the Sharks tomorrow will be on 6.30, Chet, with the face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7 o'clock. Going to be a fun one. We'll get some Sharks perspective from Jamie Baker. He's their TV analyst. He's coming up between 7 and 7.30 tonight. Craig on the text line says, we can't bring a goalie from the minors right in the heart of a playoff mix can't bring in a player with little experience. Go out and get someone good and throw in some picks and future prospects. Uh, this texture says, come on, when the guy has a month between starts, how do you think he'd be ready for a game? Practice only goes so far. Well, Mark texts in and says, the Sharks, Kings, Blue Jackets, Habs, all have second string guys who have played eight games or less and they have good numbers. And you know what? That's the side of the equation I'm on, guys. I, I understand it's you know, I understand it's it's tough not to play a lot. That's also your job. Those That's the definition of the job, right? I mean, if you own a business and you have a part-time employee who works one shift a week, you acceptable, you're fine with money being missing out of the, missing out of the cash register for their one shift. You're fine with the, the float not balancing. You're fine with that employee being rude to customers. You'd be fine with that employee coming up to you and say, yeah, boss, I stunk today, but I only get one shift a week because, you know, that's all I can handle. No. That, and so, you know, I mean, backup goalies don't play a lot. Welcome to the modern NHL. You got to hang in there when you are in there. Aaron on the line. Hi, Aaron. Oh, hi. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering. I heard rumors about. Uh, I was wondering if the orders could uh, make a deal with for trade at the March first deadline. They can trade for Yaroslav uh, Halak to the Edmonton Oilers. Well, yeah, you know, people have been asking about that. The The thing with Holak is, you know, he makes he makes over $4.5 million. 
and he's still also under contract for next year. So if the Oilers were to trade for him, you're going to have to trade some money back to the Islanders like, you know, Mark Fain or Benoit Pouliot, perhaps. Are they going to be willing to take that player? And then if the Oilers, are, if you keep Halak for next year, are you willing to pay him that much to play 20 to 25 games? And and if they if, if they think it's not enough, they can even send uh, Shane Prince, too, in the deal to the Oilers. Shane Prince. Well... Number eleven. Well, okay, but why would they? Why would they do that? Oh, just wondering. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know if the Islanders are going to give the Oilers extra players. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, 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 you know, Halak is the player they waived. So, you know, I don't. Because I heard rumors that they were going to trade Halak at the deadline well they might they might i i don't know if the oilers is going to are going to be the destination and again it's if halak was just under contract for the rest of this year then then maybe you go for it the fact that he's also under contract for next year i think makes it a little more difficult yeah because i think Halak's a really good goalie yeah he's fine he's he's, he's, he's fine i think he could help with some depth for sure thanks aaron okay 780-496-0063 we have sir taj on the line as well hi buddy go ahead hello sir hello I love your show. Thank you. Yo, uh, so I was talking about the um, Taylor Hall and uh, Adam Larson trade here. Okay. So, um, okay, you see, when Taylor Hall scores a goal, he he always had, like, speed. He had skill moves. Well, when, whenever he scored a goal, maybe uh, not two times in the season that you've seen him not um, score a goal with speed. And um, Adam Larson, on the other way, um, he he creates plays. He takes penalties, and but he gives. Uh, oh, oh, he 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 may, he gets he uh, takes penalties when he has to. He's not like um, Benoit Pouliot who takes like um, dumb penalties. Well, yeah, they're to- they're totally different players. Obviously, the Oilers basically traded a, a you know an offensive player for for a defensive player. It it comes down to that. So I don't I don't so think he you- helped him. He did help them uh, make it to like a playoff position. Uh, Larson did. Uh huh. Well, because of the defensive play. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I, I think Jack Michaels made a good point on Saturday night. Uh, I, I think the Devils miss Adam Larson more than the Oilers miss Taylor Hall, quite frankly. Yeah. So. Well, um, do you, the Devils need more uh, more defense than offense. Actually, they, they don't really have um, good uh, defensemen. Thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate your time. And uh, one more thing. Okay. Remember that time? Uh, remember that time? I saw a video about this. Uh, it was. Um, Ron Hextall, who is chasing after Rob Brown. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny. Rob Rob talks about that all the time. Yeah, Rob got away okay, though, Sir Taj. Thanks a lot for calling, man. You too. Bye. All right, 780-496-0063. Mark says, Reed, if they took Fane for Halak, maybe Vegas takes Halak. Ah, fair enough. Uh, somebody texting in Ben Bishop from Tampa. You know, I, 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 guys, I think Ben Bishop's going to go to Philadelphia. That I have a feeling that's where Ben Bishop's going to wind up. We'll see. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can get a hold of us. Uh, I just went back and looked with Brendan Albrecht today because there's a chat, obviously, about 
going back to July 1st, why did the Oilers sign Gustafson? Well, I mean, look, Peter Shirelli didn't go out and say, I'm going to sign a guy who I think can't do the job. He was hoping Gustafson could do the job. Here's the order that goaltenders were signed on July 1st. Reimer was the first guy. He went to Florida for five years and $17 million. Uh, I don't think the Oilers were going to give a backup goaltender a five-year contract. Chad Johnson then went to Calgary. And, and I know for me, that's the guy who was at the top of my wish list for goaltenders. He's As I read off these names, you're going to see he's the best of the bunch. And he pretty much saved Calgary's season a couple of months ago and got them back on, tra- on track. Carter Hutton was then signed by St. Louis. And he went for a two-year deal. Chad Johnson just got a one-year deal in Calgary, so he's potentially a UFA again. Then Hutton went to St. Louis. Then Kadobin was signed by Boston for two years. He's now in the minors. He was waived. And then Jonas Gustafson was the fifth goaltender signed. Montoya then uh, by Montreal. Later on, Zatkoff to the Kings. Enroth to Toronto. Leighton to uh, Carolina. That was right before the season started. So, I mean, it wasn't like there was a lot of pickings out there. It wasn't like there was a lot of pickings out there. For, for the Oilers to snap up a, a, a really good goaltender. I, I think that's often the, the and as critical as I'm being of Gustafson, I, I do also acknowledge that's also the na- nature of backup goaltending, is that you kind of don't know necessarily what you're going to get, and there's a reason he's a backup, right? If <laughs> If he was that good, he'd be a starter. Now, Cam Talbot, maybe one guy who's progressed a little differently, gone from backup to starter. Okay, some guys are going to evolve that way. But usually once you reach a certain point in your career, you know, as Denny Green said, or to paraphrase Denny Freeze, Denny Green, you are who we thought you were. And unfortunately for Gustafson, he's our, he, he is who... We were afraid he was he was going to be. We'll see what happens. Maybe there's a deal coming. Halak is Halak is interesting talent wise to me, and I know you know a couple of people have made valid suggestions about maybe an expansion draft possibility. Fair enough. Halak is is fine talent wise. It's contract wise that gets to be the problem there, and is is are the New York Islanders going to be able to take a going to be willing to take a quote unquote problem contract? back from the Edmonton Oilers. I think that's where that debate comes in. Gustafson this season, by the way, seven appearances, one, three, and one, an 878 save percentage, a 3.10 goals against average. The other Oilers notes today, Yessi Puglio-Yarve headed to the American Hockey League. He had a goal and eight points in 28 games this season. He played more than 15 minutes in a game three times out of 28 games. He played less than 10 minutes, 10 times. Uh, I don't agree with the thought that he should have gone to play for Finland at the World Junior Tournament. He'd been there two years already. He was the MVP last year. The Finnish team wasn't very good this year. Can you make an argument, you know, why was Puljujarvi not sent down late November, absolutely you can make that argument because he already wasn't playing a lot and I don't think his head coach had a lot of trust in him, especially in tight games. That's usually when we didn't see him play. Anton Slepyshev called back up four points in 15 games in the NHL this year. He has 10 points in nine games with the Bakersfield Condors. I don't know if you saw any video, played a rainy 
outdoor classic. Like you could see puddles and rain pelting down on the ice in Bakersfield's uh, 3-2 overtime win outdoors against the Ontario Rain on Saturday night. Patrick Maroon, and we're going to go further into this topic in the next half hour, the second star of the week in the NHL. He had five goals, six points in four games played. How about this, guys? In 42 games this season, Maroon has 16 goals and 23 points. As an oiler, as an Edmonton Oiler, Patrick Maroon has 24 goals in 58 games. As an Anaheim Duck in his career, he had 26 goals in 204 games played. So he's played basically one quarter of the games in Edmonton as he played for Anaheim. He only has two fewer goals. Certainly a guy who has figured some things out here. Uh, another rumor that's going around out there today is that the NHL will not have alternate jerseys next season, which means there could be a decision point here for the Oilers in keeping their orange jerseys or wearing them full time. Um, I can tell you that the NHL is switching from Reebok to Adidas. It is not official that alternate jerseys are going to go the way of the Dodo Bird. So we'll see. I, I do know that the orange jerseys obviously remain very popular with Oilers fans. And the Oilers have done market research that suggests that. They have exceeded the expectations, which is why they were brought back for this year. They were supposed to just be a one-time thing for the final season at Rexall Place. That is something to keep an eye on, and I imagine we might know something, oh, in the next uh, few weeks, because teams are going to have to start getting things set up for next year already. All right, it's 628, a little more with Patrick Maroon, and we'll uh, get going with this feel-good story as well. Stefan Radzinski, local race car driver, as we move along on Inside Sports. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shad. No score. Five and a half minutes in. Clemson and Alabama, the NCAA football championship game. NHL tonight. Panthers up one nothing on the Devils late in the second period. Early in the second period, the Capitals lead the Canadians one zip. Five minutes left in the first. It's Winnipeg one, Calgary nothing. Later on tonight, the Stars play. The Kings. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Thank you very much for tuning in. Jason says uh, on the text line, the Oilers' goaltending problem is endemic. In 38 years of drafting, the Oilers have only drafted four goalies who have played more than 100 games in the NHL. Fewer, Moog, Markkanen, and Dubnik. Well, good call. And if circumstances had been different, maybe Gavin Dubnik would be a Vesna candidate here instead of Minnesota. But the road did not take that branch. But Jason, I appreciate those stats, man. That's good stuff. All right, we have uh, Kirk on the line. 780-496-0063. Kirk, haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on, man? Hey, Reed. Um, I think we need a good goaltender coach here in Edmonton. Uh, it seems like all the good backup goaltenders come from the same teams, Rangers and Kings. I mean, Johnson came from them. Uh, we got the Rangers backup. He's amazing. Um, what? Why can't Ramford be our backup goalie coach or our goalie coach here? Well, he's the LA coach. So I know. I know. He's employed. But why doesn't he have allegiance with us? Uh, I mean, Dustin Shorts works pretty hard. I, I, I wouldn't certainly give up on him. I, I wouldn't. I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't. I don't know Kirk, and I'm going to be a little argumentative with you here, so I apologize. But but you can't you can't blame Schwartz for Gustafson and not give him credit for Talbot, right? I mean, 
You know what I mean? Like if he's if he's helping Talbot, you, you can't say he's helping Talbot, but he's responsible for Gustafson not being good. Yeah, well, Shirelli brought Talbot in because he he was a great goaltender and in New York Rangers because of their goalie coaching. Uh, I mean, Schwartz is he's probably he's probably good, but if we could get a guy that could coach these guys, like Gustafson, he's a He's got talent like you wouldn't believe. He's big. He, he's got talent. He can move. Something is weird. Like, why can't we get a guy like that and make him great? Like, we should take a guy that has so much talent in the lower leagues and bring him along. Well, I mean, why do we? Why do we got to get the number one draft choice overall and and bring him along? We have to get people that. <laughs> Like we can't bring like Detroit, for instance. Like they they got forwards and and defensemen that they brought along. They weren't very great when they came into the into the system. But we need some some good coaching and stuff like that. That's my opinion. Well, fair enough. I mean, Gustafson's also like he's thirty two years old. So h- how much are you really going to bring him along? And I read his save percentages off earlier. I, I know, I think... and he's been in the league for this long, so somebody's been thinking he's going to be all right but there there must be something there why he's in the league yeah well sure but we haven't seen enough of it right so that's right i know i I understand what you're saying but but i you know i i just i i don't i I don't look at gustafson and say and and think to myself if they just had a better goalie coach i mean he's he's got to step up and make those stops man oh absolutely i know he does I think Shirelli might be looking for some goalie coaches too. Yeah, season. Well, we'll see. Thanks for calling, Kirk. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You know, we got to talk a little bit about Patrick Maroon. Here's McDavid in deep. Maroon scores. Backdoor, a beautiful play. McDavid slid it out to Gariba. Loads and fires off a skate. Maroon tied up. Backhanded in home. Here's a turnover. Maroon to the net. Wrist shot score. Hat trick. Patrick Maroon. But the Oilers make the steal and rifle one down the left-hand side. Maroon's over the line looking for a trailer. Now he'll take it himself. Shoot and score. Patrick Maroon, a beautiful drag move to the front of the net. Rebound kicked off the end boards. He'll drop it off. Now Maroon in front. Shot deflected home. Patrick Maroon's got a pair. So Maroon's big week, and he's the second star of the week in the National Hockey League. He had five goals in four games. I, I listened closely here to this clip, Todd McClellan talking about Maroon after the game. He's getting a little more confident, holds on to pucks, and he's got a knack for knowing when to release the puck at the net. Um, he is prepared to shoot it as well. Like It's amazing what happens when it goes at or towards the goaltender. You never know, and uh, Patty's prepared to do that. I think we still have some guys that are, are uh, trying to make too many cute plays, if you will and uh, don't get rewarded quite as often, but uh, good for him. We have some guys who are trying to make some cute plays and don't get rewarded quite as often. That's Todd McClellan asked about Patrick Maroon, and then he segued into that. Patrick Maroon has succeeded because in my mind he's adapted and he's figured out what he's had to do he plays a game where he goes to the net most of the goals are scored close to the blue paint he reads plays well 
I thought Rob made a great observation last night on Maroon's first goal. He took a long pass and had a one-on-one. He could have charged in and taken a shot where Condon knew that shot was coming. He delayed. Letestu caught up to the play, presented an option for a possible pass, then Maroon shot. Because now Condon had something else to worry about. And to, to me, if, if there's a number one problem on the Oilers, and I know we're talking about goaltending and, and some people, the, the last caller brought up coaching and all that kind of stuff. To me, if there's one thing about the Oilers that concerns me a little bit is that there's players who haven't been able to add an extra dimension to their games. And players often make the NHL based on having a couple really great strengths. But players become valuable NHL players often by diversifying themselves. Patrick Maroon, Mark Letestu, best examples on the Oilers. I mean, everybody knows Jordan Everly hasn't scored one goal in 21 games. Everybody knows he didn't have a great one-timer. He said he worked on his one-timer in the summer. We've seen two attempts all year. He's been supplanted by the fourth-line center, Mark Letestu, on the power play. We've seen the Oilers add, add guys to the roster who will take the puck to the net and play in straight lines, whether it be Marie, Maroon or Lucic or even Pitlick when he was playing. How often do we see Jordan Eberle and or Ryan Nugent Hopkins bring the puck up, 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 up ice on a rush and curl off to the boards and try to find a trailer? Sometimes that works. doesn't work consistently in the NHL. We have Alan on the line. Hi, Alan. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Doing well. Right on. Uh, a couple of comments. Maroon, absolutely loving watching his play. Uh, second, the goaltending thing. Anyone who's played hockey knows that goalies are a little bit of a different breed of their own. <laughs> and there's so many different variables that go into goaltending in hockey. I mean, it's really hard to blame it on coaching. It's hard to blame it on the guy. You know, it's, it's kind of a mix between the two. You either have it or you don't. And uh, I think whoever is able to solve the anomaly of goalies is, is going to be able to have a lot of success because it's such a complex position to play. And goalies take all that pressure onto themselves and, and they're put in a lot of different tough spots, right? Yeah, fair enough. So what, what, what do you do here going forward? If it's you, do you bring up LB? Do you just hang on to Gustafson and hope he doesn't have to play very much? I would say... Give Gustafson a little bit more game time. Get a little bit of confidence. Hopefully he learns from the bad goals and the easy giveaways, but uh, on a short leash. Yeah, well, they're obviously not confident playing him a lot. I mean, he last played December 8th, and then he plays again January 8th, and they lose 6-5 and 5-3. He didn't let in one of the goals last night. I don't know. It's tough. I, I just don't. I mean, and we've seen with Todd McClellan, he doesn't like using guys he's not confident in. And with McClellan, it seems like it's not, okay, I'll use a guy less. Like, no, he just won't use you, right, if he's not confident. I mean, that's why Pugliarvi was playing three minutes a game the last couple times. And you betcha. And so, I think that has an effect in a way of if you know that your coach isn't confident in you, maybe that's having a little bit of an effect on him. But you look at guys like Maroon who take that and use it as motivation in order to succeed and try harder, and that's what Gustafson has to do. 
Well, fair enough. I mean, now you have the adversity, so you got to face it. The problem is, you know, as we've been talking about with a backup goalie is, I mean, the skaters can have several bad games and they're still in the lineup. You just, your role gets changed, like Pouliot or Eberle getting pushed down. And I wouldn't be surprised if Eberle's back up on the second line uh, tomorrow, by the way. But yeah, with a goalie, how do you prove yourself? Right? Because like you said, it's so black or white, you either have a good game or you don't. So you can't play a period of a game. So I don't. I don't know. It's gonna. It's gonna be tough here. With I. I mean, I feel for the guy. I don't want to rip the guy to shreds personally. But his play last night not good enough. No, it wasn't. It was subpar at best. Absolutely. All right, Alan. Thanks a lot for calling. I think we got time for uh, one more call here, Warren. If you want to check that, and then we're going to bring in Stefan Radzinski, which is a great, uh, great story. Uh, this texture says, "Who was the goalie coach when Dubnik was here?" That was still Freddie Shabbat there at the time, and he was replaced by Dustin Schwartz, I guess, a couple of years ago. Uh, Mason says, Detroit brings guys along. Well, Gustafson was there, too. Why didn't he fit in there? That's for Mason. And Gordon says, Talbot was already a good goalie before he came here. The Oilers goalie coach did nothing to help Talbot. We need a different goalie coach. Okay. Well, I just, I I mean, look, I I just, I got to say, guys, Last October 31st, when Talbot let in the goal from behind the net against Calgary, I did a whole call-in show where people wanted him off the team and never to play net again. And he wasn't great for about the first third of the last season. So I don't think you can argue that Dustin Schwartz had no effect on Cam Talbot. It just, it just doesn't compute if you look at the timeline. Yes, he was a good goalie in New York but he's not going back and working with the New York coaching staff and then coming to play for the Oilers. So to, I, I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's ludicrous to say that Dustin Schwartz ruined Jonas Gustafsson in the seven starts he's made. Like, I, I, it's, it's, just, it's just insane if you think about it. Mo is on the line. Hello, Mo. How you doing? Good. You know what? Uh, blaming the goalie coach... Horrible! It's just stupid. Like uh, for me, Gustafson, even when he was playing uh, "quote unquote" good, he was still fairly shaky. Uh, the monsters play is absolutely scary. That second goal yesterday told me all I needed to know. And uh, when you can't, when you need a goalie to make one save in you know however many five six starts, and he can't do it, he just he just doesn't look like an NHL goalie. And if he's in any way, shape, or form close to the NHL roster in any way, there's no chance to make the playoffs. We do need a capable backup. I still think LB, even though he still needs time, would be a better option, but I don't think he's the best option. So this is on Torelli to, to go ahead and, and try to find uh, a wicked deal like he has for, for Maroon and, and some of the other moves he's made. Uh, I think he's obviously a capable GM, and this is, to me, the biggest the biggest need for this team is, is a capable backup because you can you can see when the guys are playing there when you score three goals and you score like uh, five goals or whatever it was against Philadelphia and you still lose yeah because your goalie allows a minimum two bad goals I mean the confidence is, is gone they play they're a different team with Talbot and that obviously but yeah. Uh, that's my biggest thing. Well, Mo, I, I will still say this. If the backup goalie is the biggest concern, it's a lot better than where we are two or three years ago where they probably needed 14 different players just to be competitive. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we had uh, Anders Nielsen and uh, I can't remember that goalie's name uh, that uh, used to play with... Uh, well, Faust uh, was here, Scrivens was here, Chris Galloff was here for, for a while, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Talbot's a good goalie. He may not be a bona fide number one, but he's at minimum a 1A, 1B in my mind. So he's got, he has to have somebody to, to compliment uh, him and Hopefully we can get that uh, ASAP. Mo, talk to you next time, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Take care. All right, we're gonna. I've got more hockey top hockey talk coming up, but we got to touch base with Stefan Radzinski. He pulled off something pretty cool over the weekend. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad. for tuning in tonight. It is 6.51. We want to follow up a story we first brought you on Friday and it has had a happy ending. Pleased to be joined by local race car driver Stefan Radzinski. Stefan, welcome back to the show, man. How are you doing? Oh, man. So excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm over the moon, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm tired and I know I'm a little bit delirious. I, I barely slept since we've talked on Friday. Um, but it's all paid off uh, enormously for me. So uh, thank you to the listeners here in Edmonton and on Security Chad. Uh, when we chatted, it was it really voting exploded. I was I was way behind uh, when we were talking, and then all of a sudden, um, I had this huge stream of votes come in uh, around this time on Friday, and it just never stopped. People just kept sharing and kept growing and growing and growing. So uh, I'm happy if if I was spamming if my face spamming up your Facebook feeds or your Twitter feeds. I'm very sorry. Uh, but I'm so happy uh, that we've accomplished it, and uh, I won the vote uh, by a landslide because of Edmonton. So, Ed- Edmontonians. So how much? Because when we f- came on on Friday, you were about 600 votes behind. What, would you know how much you wound up winning by? I don't know the final total, but I, from the last I saw, it was around 3,000 votes or more, uh, which is pretty crazy. Okay, well, okay, that's awesome. So yeah, we, uh, we had, I think we had over 9,300 votes. Oh, wow. Okay, perfect. So just for, to recap for people who might have missed it or just to remind people, now what do you get to do? What was all this for? So this is all for the Race of Champions, which is essentially uh, well, it's a huge opportunity in my career. Uh, but the event itself, it's a one-off event with uh, world champion drivers from Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, off-road, uh, kind of the best of the best, uh, Sebastian Vettel, David Coulthard, um, Jensen Button, Kurt and Kyle Busch, Travis Pastrana, uh, just all of the big, big names in sports are coming together. And I get to now team up with other Canadian IndyCar driver, James Hinchcliffe, um, to compete for Team, I guess it's North America, but really it's, it's Team Canada, um, to, to try and beat those guys. So I'm in the thick of it with the guys who were my heroes growing up. So I'm just, I'm over the moon, man. This is, this is wild. I, I know I haven't really, like, it hasn't really set in yet. When is this happening? Happens in less than two weeks. <laughs> oh wow! So there's there's yeah January twenty second is the event date. So I'll be flying out probably uh, next week. Uh, right now, I need to find probably a way to get in a race car before then. Ideally, it's not been you know the off seasons here in Canada aren't great, and it's really tough to get in the car. So I'd love to get in a, a race car somehow. But uh, yeah, today you know I'm just taking it in. Um, 
it's been overwhelming the support uh it's i almost like don't want to I, I almost don't want today really to be i know i i'm the one who kind of like accomplished this or like i'm i have the reward um but it's the people of edmonton who have like got me there like i feel like it's, it's very much a we thing i don't feel like this is an individual thing that much at all at this point so uh just yeah so much thanks to everyone who's got on board it took a lot of work because I'm trying to reach out to every single person who tweeted at me or, you know, liked the thing on Facebook or shared it or commented. And that, that's just a lot of work when you're a one-man show and you don't have, like, a marketing team or anything with you. So uh, the fact that we got 9,300 votes in four and a half days was just incredible. Um, the Race of Champions is a potentially career maker for me. Yeah. Um, it is, it's definitely, there's no guarantees in this sport, but you're in front of the right people. And if I can just do my thing and, you know, show at least well, maybe meet the right people, you never know where it could take me. So, Well, how old I'm, are you I'm again, Steph? Excited. How I old just turned 24 you on just turned 24. Thursday. So still still pretty young. Now, what style of uh, – wh- where is this happening? It's happening in uh, Miami in Marlins Park, actually. So okay. It's a bit It's a bit of a, a funny event. It's, it's kind of a smaller circuit because it's inside of a stadium. And you go kind of head-to-head doing two laps around the circuit against someone who's going on the other lane. So it's kind of like almost like slot cars, but um, with real drivers and real cars. And there's eight different types of cars, uh, so a variety of machinery, and you drive different cars all the time. Oh, wow. And then uh, you're, yeah, so you're just, you're, you're always getting thrown a curveball. So it's kind of nobody's real element. But uh, in saying that, I'm going against, like, world champions. So... Uh, this is not exactly going to be a walk in the park. All right, so you're hoping you do well, you get noticed, and maybe you get a ride on a on a circuit, and then and then you keep rolling from there, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think more than anything, the thing that's been astounding is uh, people are just. I I think they've sensed my passion for it, and I think they've really got on board that they can do something really really cool here, um, and it's been overwhelming. Like, I I honestly, I'm, I've been overwhelmed the last few days. Um, it's the people who like, that's the reason I haven't slept is because I've had like people who are up at six in the morning who are pumping this stuff for me and like I, I can't let them down so I gotta be up and then there's people like taking me all the way throughout the day so I had like different crews of people seemed like just promoting it by themselves it just it took a life on its own uh, and it's been so special so if you're listening and uh, kind of want to see what it's been all about you can see my on my Facebook live streams. I'm like the deter the deterioration of like my face. <laughs> I think because I've just been getting so like so tired over over all these days. But um, you know, it was like it was going to war through this whole battle. And you know, I could I feel like I want to write like a big piece on what actually went into this whole campaign because it was crazy and. I couldn't have done it without Edmontonians. It's been it's been quite insane. All right. Well, I want to talk to you when you get back. So that'll be, I guess, later later this month or in early February. Let people know. I, and I got a break for the news stuff, but let people know how they can follow you on Twitter and online. Yeah. You can, so you can follow me on Twitter at rzadracing.com. That's rzad racing. Uh, sorry, that's my website. And then rzad racing is my Twitter handle. Uh, if you search that name in your search bar. Stefan Radzinski, because it's a tough one to spell. It's easier to just copy and paste it from Twitter. And then uh, the Facebook Live page. Uh, the Facebook page is quite good, actually. It's where most of my content goes up lately. All right. Well, congratulations, buddy. I know we'll be in touch, but enjoy the experience, okay? 
Thanks so much. I'm going to get some sleep finally and then get back to, back to work. It's just starting. Work's just starting. There we go. Stefan Radzinski checking in. Race car driver going to the uh, Race of Champions January 22nd in Miami. We'll get an update from him once he gets back. That's really cool. Uh, Jamie Baker, Sharks television analyst, when we get back on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.